Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the host of Whole and Holy. We're living in a strange time right now. As I'm recording this and as you're listening to this, many things are shut down. Many churches have moved to online services, live streaming services, not having their congregations present, doing ministry in new and, and different kinds of ways. That's true for us here at Bethel Seminary as well. Bethel Seminary, like Bethel University as a whole, has asked employees to work remotely for the next couple of months in an effort to provide social distance and to stop the spread of the virus. That's meant a change to how we do a number of things, and this podcast is included in that. So the studio that I normally record these episodes in is closed right now, so we're having to adapt and do some things a little bit differently. But I wanted to try to address this issue because I know that those of you who are listening are dealing with this in a very, very acute sort of a way. And I wanted to provide some measure of help, whatever practical suggestions we might be able to make when it comes to dealing with this thing. So we're going to do a couple of things in in this episode and the next episode are going to be addressing this issue of COVID-19 or the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. And we're going to address a couple of different aspects of it. Today, I'm going to share with you a recording that is not live. I don't have guests with me at this point, but it's a recording between two seminary faculty who are discussing ministry leadership in the coronavirus era. Dr. David Clark is a professor of theology at Bethel Seminary. He has served in a variety of leadership capacities, from being a pastor of a church to being the dean of the seminary and the provost of Bethel University. Dr. Mark McCloskey is professor of ministry leadership and has had significant leadership experience as a dean at the seminary in other contexts and has written extensively on leadership issues. And their conversation focuses on what are the leadership challenges that are unique to the coronavirus era? How do we deal with these things? So I'm going to share this conversation. This was recorded for one of their classes, so it's not recorded with you as the audience in mind, but I think it's going to be particularly helpful for you to participate in listening to this and to engage in this. So I'm going to play the the recording and offer a few thoughts at the end of that. So listen to Drs. David Clark and Mark McCloskey as they engage in a conversation about ministry leadership in the coronavirus era. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Dr. David Clark. I teach theology at Bethel Seminary, and I'm joined with my friend, longtime colleague, Dr. Mark McCloskey, who uh, has taught ministry leadership for a lot of years. And, you know, we just put our heads together today, and we got to thinking about uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus situation and realized that this is an enormous leadership challenge Uh, for people who are in the church. And uh, we've talked together a lot about leadership, practice leadership, and we just thought it'd be great to have a conversation about that today. And so we're going to invite you in on that conversation. And Mark, so glad to be able to talk with you today. Uh, I've learned so much from you over the years, and uh, this is a great time to be together. Great to be with you, David. So here's my first thought, and let's just kind of talk about leadership big picture. You know, when I went to seminary, Mark, honestly, we did not really discuss leadership at all. Now, today's seminary at Bethel is different in the sense that we spend an awful lot of time and energy uh, learning about leadership, uh, theory, practice, uh, putting it into practice, and so on. Could we get started today just by giving a thumbnail sketch of your approach to leadership? I know it's a profound thing. Uh, Give us the basics. 
Well, uh, there's a lot of ways of looking at leadership out there. Obviously, you go to Barnes & Noble, you type leadership books into Google, you'll get hundreds of thousands of hits. But we have a very specific approach to uh, teaching and learning leadership at Bethel, and it goes like this. We believe that though the Bible is not a textbook on leadership, when the Bible does speak of leadership, we ought to sit up and listen very closely to what the Bible has to say about good leadership and leadership that's not so good, right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus, uh, he didn't come to earth to teach us about leadership. He came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. But when he talks about leadership, well, again, we better sit up and listen. So I, I, I think leadership begins and ends in terms of the larger discussion with a thorough understanding of what the Bible teaches about leadership, good leadership, and, and poor leadership. Now, added to that, there's a lot of secular research out there which seems to confirm or validate in particular circumstances what the Bible has already revealed about leadership. Leaders are catalysts for change, catalysts for transformation. Now, biblically, that's in accord with, with God's plan and purposes for the world. And then we're also told in the scriptures that leaders are men and women who experience, embody, and extend a certain range of what we could call biblical virtues, faith, hope, and love, courage, wisdom, justice, and self-control. Now, those are just a starting point for discussing virtue, but uh, we teach at Bethel a, virtu a biblical virtue-based version of transformational leadership that is in accord with the scriptures, but by the way, and this is kind of a happy, um, a happy bounce to this, it applies also to the rest of the world. In other words, people in businesses, people in nonprofits, uh, people in community leadership have much to gain by sitting and listening to what the Bible has to say about leading well. Right. So we think about things that we learn from now thinking theologically, natural revelation as well as special revelation. It's all revelation. It all comes from the Lord uh, and it ought to be coherent. Uh, and so your real thought is that a virtue based approach towards being a transformational leader, uh, this is going to be relevant in all sorts of contexts, business, education, government, but obviously also in the church. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there are some competing narratives for what constitutes a good leader. Two of them are what I call charisma-based or personality-based approaches, and then a technical managerial competence-based version of leadership. And while um, there's nothing inherently wrong with those, if they supersede virtue, if they're lived out uh, without an underpinning of the foundational virtues that I just discussed, we're all in trouble. Meaning, if a person is charismatic in terms of personality, if they have that kind of winning, winsome personality, if they're kind of the born leader who walks in the room and everybody follows them instinctively, but it's not connected to these biblical virtues, well, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And also, if you have a technologically sophisticated, managerial, astute version of leadership, but again, if it's not connected to the virtues, uh, well, that's, that's problematic for the organization. So uh, I, I firmly believe that the virtues, and by the way, the secular research affirms this, is mm -hmm. the virtues are the starting point for discussing what we might call the right stuff or the, the, fun, the fundamental foundational personal attributes of 
men and women who can lead in a variety of situations, but especially the kind of situation we find, our in to, find ourselves in today, David. Um, I call this a VUCA environment. That VUCA is an acrostic that's been, been around for about uh, 25 years now, uh, but it stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And in that kind of environment, and that's certainly today, right, the virtues shine. Uh, personality types can come and go, and even versions of technical managerial competence can come and go, but the virtues remain solid and stable, and uh, they, they are what recommend leaders in difficult times like we're facing today. Right, so we're really talking about a radical both end here where we start with those core virtues, and that means followers can trust their leader, uh, but also you add competence and charisma uh, on top of that. Uh, we also trust a person's competence. Uh, so that, that, that uh, both end, that radical both end is, is the ideal, I guess. And without the virtue, uh, you get a person who can lead an organization in fair weather uh, but then when crisis hits, things get uh, start to come apart at the seams. Unfortunately, we, we see negative examples uh, of that around us. But obviously, you're, you're making reference to the coronavirus and the COVID-19 situation, which is obviously gripping the world today. Uh, this is a global thing. It really raises the question, how would a virtuous leader, Mark, in your mind, as you teach your students, how would a virtuous leader navigate these emergencies that arise. Now, this would be something we could apply to a different type of an emergency, obviously, but here we are in the middle of this one. Uh, so what are the specifics that you'd recommend in this area? Well, for a starting point of the conversation, this wouldn't finish the conversation, but it would certainly start it. Let's just walk through the seven cardinal virtues. Faith. Well, I think we're looking for leaders full of faith. They're caught up in God's story in the world. They know that God is at work. So now we're back to Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah, by faith, Moses, and so on. I just got a wonderful email from our senior pastor who talked about faith over fear. And many, many sermons last week that were all online talked about the Christian response of faith, not fear. So the, 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 the leader full of faith will recognize God is at work. I'm caught up in his larger story. And so uh, I can step out, and here's the second one, courage. I can step out in courage. I can um, walk through my fear. Now, courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving forward in the face of fear. And I think that obviously applies today. And then we circle back to hope. Well, uh, we, we have to have leaders who, who have a realistic hope Things are difficult today, yes, but because God is in charge, our best days are yet ahead of us. Now, that doesn't mean the stock market's going to recoup everything in, you know, in two months, and it doesn't mean they're not going to be difficult times. But this idea of living with a hope that does not disappoint, as, Hebrews, uh, or as Romans 5 talks about, hopeful leaders, full of faith and courage. And then, of course, we get to love. Well, as I'm thinking of our church, uh, it's right in the middle of a huge neighborhood, and I know there are folks in that neighborhood. There are uh, one-parent families. There are elderly couples. 
there are recent immigrants. Well, what's it mean to love your neighbor as yourself in this context? And so I think sacrificial love and demonstrations of that rise to this occasion. And then wisdom, of course. Lord, uh, give me the wisdom to know how to respond to individuals. I ran into a gentleman just this morning shopping uh, from our church who obviously, just by the look on his face, was anxious. And he, and he was looking at bare shelves and pressing his, you know, uh, putting his uh, shopping cart, you know, strategically located so we could get it the next, next shelf. And so we had a 10-minute conversation, and I prayed for wisdom. How, Lord, how can I interact with this gentleman to bring comfort and encouragement? And then we get to justice, and that's uh, dealing with our resources. Lord, are there people we can help? Are there people who have been unfairly disadvantaged due to this? Maybe they work in the service industry and so on. And so can, Lord, as a church, can we respond to those needs? But lastly, and I've saved this for last, is this biblical virtue of temperance. We also call it self-control. What does that mean in times like this? Well, I think at a minimum it means to stay solid. The joy of the Lord is my strength, said Nehemiah. To trust the Lord, to not be caught up in anxiety, but to give our anxious thoughts to the Lord who brings his perfect peace. If leaders can be anxiety stoppers, <laughs> meaning they are bringing a sense of calm because their faith is in the Lord, because they're grounded in the Lord and his purposes, that will go in enormous ways to calming the fears of others. So I've rattled off seven areas to think about in terms of what it means to lead in a time of emergency like this. And I hope we can all, and pray for my prayer for myself, is I can embody and extend those qualities to others in the midst of all the circumstances even yet to come, some of which may continue to be difficult. Right. Yeah, and I think so much of the leader's role is to <clears throat> be uh, a sort of uh, example of how we do well in the face of difficulty. Uh, I know of a pastor who passed away now several years ago, um, and he had lived before his congregation and sought to embody these virtues, right? And then got a diagnosis that uh, suggested that he would uh, likely pass away within six months. He gets up in the pulpit and the first thing he says to them is, I have tried to live well and to show you what it means to live by faith. And now I am going to show you what it means to uh, come to the end of life and to die with hope. And it was just electric for that congregation because they could see the impact of these virtues, these godly values that get embedded in our character uh, in, the, in the life of their pastor. It was enormously helpful. And here we are 20 years later, and people still tell the story of that sermon, right? Because it just had this incredible impact of giving people the kind of solid foundation they need to, to stand on when it seems like the currents are flowing everywhere. Uh, and we don't know which way to turn. So um, how do you develop leaders like this? Uh, you know, I, I think about Joseph when uh, the word came that there was going to be famine, but there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And it almost seems like this would apply to the work that you and I do as we prepare leaders for the church. Um, is there a playbook for preparing leaders 
to face these kinds of emergencies, which let's face it, uh, coronavirus doesn't happen every day, but emergencies are part of uh, the leadership task. Well, I don't know if there's a playbook, like if I could use a football analogy, you know, you have a football playbook and if you played high school football or college football, you're familiar with the playbook, right? Or whether you play basketball or soccer, you have a playbook. <clears throat> I don't think there's a playbook because it's impossible to anticipate the next emergency or what it requ will require. But I do know this, that whatever the emergency is, it will require what we just talked about. It will require virtuous men and women who stand at the foot of the cross, who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and who live to the glory of God, and who embody the, this, this virtuous foundation that, that God builds into our life and character. I know for a fact, whatever the emergency, those will be the kind of men and women that churches, ministry organizations, but even the larger community and society and even country require and look to and need. So how do you prepare for that? Well, the best time to prepare for a crisis obviously is well before the crisis. Um, but given that there will be a next crisis, uh, it's interesting. I uh, took a tour of the Pentagon not too long ago, and they, there's one whole hallway with, uh, with all the crises that the military, U.S. military has faced. And this was right after 9-11, so they had 9-11 there. And then in the, in the, um, in the kind of window was a, a frame that said, and it was blank, and it said, the next crisis. And it was blank. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe this is it. Since then, we've had the economic downturn of 2008 and now this. How do you prepare for a crisis? You work on learning these virtues, the habit of virtue, the habit of when things get difficult, we see ourselves in God's unfolding story and trust him. We develop faith and hope and love. In other words, we are called, Second Peter calls us, to build up these virtues, to grow in virtue. And I think a leader will never waste their time growing in an intentional way in these virtues. And I'm actually working uh, in my sabbatical uh, coming up here on a book called The Habit of Virtue. And so I think that is the most fundamentally sound and highly leveraged thing any person, but especially emerging leaders and established leaders can do is attend to their own development of virtue, realizing that as they grow in virtue, they'll be a great blessing to others in the next crisis, and including this one. Yeah, as I teach uh, ethics in the theology area, uh, the whole concept of ethics comes from Aristotle, actually the ancient Greek, and the word ethikos actually means habit. Mm -hmm. And so as we talk about virtue, what we're talking about are habits of excellence uh, that we develop over time, and you can't develop a habit in five minutes. So if you know a crisis is going to happen in five minutes, uh, you, you can't uh, just suddenly microwave a virtue. Uh, these are things that develop over time. So again, uh, as from using for the analogy from athletics, uh, the idea of practicing, uh, you do repetitively until it becomes second nature the right thing to do. And then when you're in the final four, uh, which isn't happening this year, uh, and you know there are 60,000 fans screaming and hollering and pressure and 
uh, anxiety on all fronts and people are hollering and screaming and the situation arises, you do what you practiced, you do what you developed by habit uh, in that moment. So that concept is uh, deeply rooted in uh, philosophical ethics, but of course, entirely consistent uh, with a biblical perspective uh, where we, you know, repetitively do what the Lord asks us to do. So I'll, let's just wrap up here, Mark. It's been a great conversation, and I appreciate so much your sharing your thoughts. And uh, we are in a specific crisis now. This is a this is a medical crisis. It's a global pandemic. Uh, would you give some guidance for leaders who are facing this particular emergency? What are your thoughts? Maybe a couple of principles for moments like this. Well, the first thing I would say is attend first uh, to to your own stance. Um, in other words, how do you want to show up today? <laughs> Ask yourself that question. Mm. Uh, and what's your stance towards life this morning or this afternoon or this evening? So I have a discipline where three times a day I go through what's called the examine, which which is uh, an ancient spiritual practice that basically says um, intentionally come to terms with your stance towards the Lord in the midst of this day. How do you want to show up to people, to your family, to your neighbors, to your church, and be intentional about that? Well, I want to show up as my best self, which is my virtuous self, trusting in the Lord. I want to show up full of faith and hope and love. You get the idea. So that'd be principle one is attend to your own stance and how you're going to show up today, what you're going to embody and extend today to your neighbor, to, to your family. Second, I would say, look for opportunity. There's a theology in the New Testament called the Kairos moment. You know, Kairos is this Greek word for the opportune time. And in Colossians 4, 2 to 6, Paul says, make the most of the opportunity stay alert in prayer. And I, I, would, I would say that that's principle number two. You will have opportunities today and going forward that you might not have ordinarily had. Opportunities to minister to families, opportunities to minister to people in need, opportunities to minister to your own family, your own neighbors because of this crisis. It's a kairos time, and there are spiritual opportunities abounding that the Lord, I think, will put in our path as we stay alert in prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving. So those would be my two. Attend to your own spiritual welfare and then look for great opportunity that the Lord provides. That uh, is such a great word. Uh, thank you for that. I'm remembering <clears throat> through history that uh, as things like this have happened, the church has responded uh, with that kind of a virtuous stance, uh, one that intentionally uh, seeks to let the Holy Spirit live through us uh, as we face the unknown. Uh, and uh, I know that a couple of stories about the plague that went through the Greco-Roman world in the middle of the second century and again in the middle of the third century. And remarkably, the pagan leaders ran for the hills in self-protection, but the Christians stayed behind and ministered to their families and to their neighbors. They offered basic care, food and water, clean bandaging, and spiritual care. And it turned out statistically, according to Rodney Stark, that if 
you happen to be a neighbor to a Christian in that one of those two plagues, your chances of survival went way up. And those simple things of caring for others out of a non-anxious presence and a faith in the Lord uh, had an enormous impact in just in terms of saving lives. And you can imagine after the plague went, went away and these neighbors realized why they were still alive, the gospel suddenly had an incredible attraction to them. And it's part of the reason why in those early centuries the church exploded in popularity and, and the gospel was spread throughout the Roman Empire. And I wonder if this isn't a time as well where good leadership, uh, the kinds of things that we talk about in class and we encourage our students and encourage those we uh, mentor and talk with to, to lead, uh, if it wouldn't be an opportune moment uh, even to make gospel impact as we simply show the love of Jesus uh, with courage and faith. So uh, great conversation today. And thank you, Mark, so much for uh, engaging in that. And to all of you watching, I hope it's been challenging and encouraging and helpful to you. Uh, those are just our thoughts as we uh, encounter this incredible situation right now. May God be with you in whatever leadership role God calls you to. I hope you found that to be a helpful conversation. I know that I did. As we look ahead to future episodes, in our next episode, we're going to have a conversation with Brooke Palmer, and she is the online campus pastor for a church in Maryland. She's going to be sharing with us some ideas about how we can build community even in an online environment. And I hope that'll be especially helpful to you as you think about making these kinds of adjustments, ways of thinking about things to be even more effective in doing church and building community, even in this online distant, remote kind of environment that we're working in. And I'm hoping that that episode will be posted much sooner than the normal monthly episodes we do. These are extraordinary times, and, and I want to support you as much as possible in doing that. So I'm hoping that that will be posted within about 10 days or so of now. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. If you have any feedback for us, we welcome that at the email address whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. You can provide feedback on these episodes. You can make suggestions for future episodes, whatever you'd like to communicate to us. We welcome that. We'd also appreciate it if you would give us a, a review and a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. The higher our ratings, the easier it is for people to find us. So we appreciate good ratings and reviews on there and also your feedback coming to us directly. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.